Hey everyone, Pastor Kevin, listen, today I have a word from the Lord that I believe is going to be a blessing to your life, strengthen you in your journey. All of us need a shot in the arm in our faith, and I believe that word today is going to do that. Take the next few minutes, spread the word, tell your friends and family this message is coming on. I'm believing it's going to change our lives, and I want you to hang on till the end. I'm going to come back and pray for your needs, and I believe God's going to touch today. Let's jump into this word and be blessed. I'll be back soon. Look at your neighbor and say, it's going to rain on you today. Stand and go to Colossians chapter 1 and 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to continue in what I started last week. I want to continue in a series that I didn't know it would be a series when I started hearing from the Lord on it, but it's more than I can get through in one message, so I'm going to preach some more of it today, and we'll see what God does. Colossians chapter 1. How many want a fresh anointing to fall on your life? Say Amen. I want the anointing of God on my life, but I want it to fall fresh on you. And I'm believing in this uh, teaching and preaching that the Spirit of the Lord will bring revelation that will take us into a place, position us in the Spirit so that we're able to receive a fresh anointing from God. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be working and operating off yesterday's oil. We, need a, we don't need a church that has a revelation of yesterday's oil. We need a church that's got today's oil. Somebody say amen. So I want you to go with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ. Everyone say Christ. Christ is in you the hope of glory. Christ in you Come on, talk to your neighbor tell them Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. It says this, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Someone say, neighbor. Come on, talk to your neighbor. Say, hey, neighbor. You have been anointed by God. Mm -hmm. Find another friend and say to the other neighbor, hey neighbor, you have been anointed by God. Let me talk to people online watching us right now, the online family, just, just receive what I'm getting ready to tell you. You have been anointed by God. God, if you believe it, give God a praise and let's pray for the preaching today. Lord, thank you for the word. Bless our time together in the word. In Jesus' name, anoint us for this preaching and receiving. Amen. You can be seated. Last week, we talked about the anointing of the Holy Spirit and how the anointing manifested in the Old Testament leaders who God had chosen would take the anointing oil and they would apply that oil, rub that oil, smear that oil on kings, on priests, on prophets. They would even take that oil and they would put it on furniture that was in the tabernacle and anything that God commanded to be anointing, it anointed with oil was set apart by God for a special and a unique purpose. Everything that God used in the Old Testament was anointed before it was activated and used. Today, I want to turn our attention to the principles and the truth of the anointing that we find in the New Testament. But in order to understand and have this revelation of the oil, the anointing, and its usefulness in our life, I think we need to understand uh, that the anointing found in the New Testament, again, as we spoke last Sunday, was foreshadowed in the Old Testament. The fullness and the fulfillment, the consummation and the crescendo of the anointing of the Holy Spirit is manifested, listen, manifested principally, primarily, and most powerfully in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm going to say that again. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is manifested principally, primarily and most powerfully in the person of Jesus Christ. In other words, he is the most anointed man in history. 
No person had a greater anointing than Jesus Christ. No person possessed a greater anointing than did Jesus. There was no one who was like him ever before him during his time and since he has ascended to the right hand of the Father. How many would agree with me that Jesus is one of a kind? In order for us to understand the importance of the anointing in our life, we need to grab several things and I wanna just rehearse these and make sure you got these. First, as I told you last week, I wanna remind you this morning, Christ is not Jesus' last name. As we will see in just a few moments, Christ is an appropriated title. It is a title that was given to Jesus because he met the necessary requirements and fulfilled the qualifications necessary to be called the Christ. Secondly, the word Christ is not found in the Old Testament, but the meaning of Christ is drawn from the Old Testament itself, and let me explain how. In the Old Covenant from Genesis to Malachi, God promised the ancient Israelites that a Messiah would come to deliver them from their sin and from the enemy's darkness. The idea of the Messiah, everyone say Messiah, the idea of the Messiah is carried over into the New Testament with this word, this title that we see frequently. In fact, it's used over 550 times that, that this word Christ, this title Christ is used to speak of Jesus. Now that Greek word, that English word Christ, follow me, comes from the Greek word Christos from which we get the English word Christ. It is the translation of the Hebrew term Mashiach. Everyone say Mashiach. I just taught you some Hebrew. Mashiach is the source for the English word Messiah. And Mashiach comes from a Hebrew verb root word called Meshach. I'm going somewhere, hang on to me. Meshach means to anoint, to smear, or to rub with oil. Therefore, when the New Testament speaks of Jesus Christ and it calls him Jesus Christ, it is saying Jesus the Messiah, literally Jesus the anointed one who has been rubbed, smeared, and given the oil of the Spirit. Thirdly, Christ as a title is not only an appropriate title for the one who would come and deliver his people from sin, but the fact that the Bible over 550 times calls him Jesus Christ reminds us that he was not king in title only. He was king and called the Messiah or called the Christ because the oil had come on him that qualified him to be called the Christ. In other words, had he not received the oil of God, he couldn't have been the Messiah of God. I need to preach right here. Because too many people operate in a title without the oil. Uh-huh. Jesus is not just the Christ because he received an appropriated title. He received the appropriate title because the oil really did come on his life. And because the oil was on his life, we call him the king. And that's a revelation for some people in the ministry, in the kingdom today. Now, I don't care what your title is. I want to know, is the oil on you that qualifies you to use the title? You may call yourself a bishop, but do you have the oil of the bishop on your life? You may call yourself an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, but do you have the oil on your life that qualifies you for the time? Let me go a step further because some people say, I'm not in the ministry. I'm just working a nine-to-five job. If you're going to use the title Christian, then you don't just need to be a Christian in word only. You need the oil of the Christ living in you to manifest in, I need some help in here. So we got people who throw titles around but have no oil. Jesus is called the Christ, not because, just because the title fit. The title fit because Jesus had the oil of the Spirit on him. Do you got Bible? I'm glad you asked. Hebrew 1 verse 9 the Bible said of Jesus that you have loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even your God, hath anointed thee with the 
oil of gladness above all your fellows. In other words, Jesus, I'm not telling you David didn't have the oil. I'm not telling you that other kings in the old covenant didn't have the oil. I'm not telling you that apostles didn't have the oil. I'm just telling you Jesus had the oil in a measure nobody else had the oil. He, God, anointed Jesus above all of the others and put him in a place where he stands alone in his anointing. So Jesus, when we say Jesus Christ, we are saying Jesus the Messiah, the king who is anointed and has the oil. Acts 10, 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost. And with what? Power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Well, I don't know if I need the Holy Ghost. Jesus needed the Holy Ghost. I don't know if I need all this talk about the power of God. Jesus needed the power of God. We have turned the authenticity and the truth of the power of God into some flavor in the kingdom of God, and we treat the Holy Spirit as if he is just another topping we put on some denominational ice cream. The devil is a liar. If Jesus needed the Holy Ghost, I need the Holy Ghost, and you need the Holy Ghost. Well, I just wasn't raised like that, which is why God brought you to this house and wants to change the rest of your life because religion wanted to put a lid on the revelation of the oil. And in this day, we don't need a church sitting down on the oil. We need a church who has the oil, walks in the oil, talks in the oil, and ministers in the power of God. Somebody say amen. So when we come to this issue of Jesus Christ, Nobody doubted he was Mary's baby, but everyone was questioning if he was the Christ. Are you the Christ or do we need to look for another? John the Baptist was saying, are you the Christ? Are you the Christ? The crowd in Luke 4 was saying, are you the Christ? Are you the Christ? Everybody wanted to know, are you the Christ? And watch this. I'm going to tell you who wasn't questioning it. Angels didn't question it. On the night Jesus was born in Luke chapter 2, the shepherds were in their field keeping watch over their flock. Let me bless you with the Christmas story. The angels were standing in their field keeping watch over their flock by night and suddenly there was with the heavenly host angels who showed up in the heavens and began to sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill to all men. And the shepherds are standing there freaking out. Can you imagine walking out in the midnight sky of your backyard and an entire choir loft of angels show up and start singing over the birth of a baby? And when the angels saw the fear on the face of the shepherds, what did the angels say to the shepherd? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy and peace. For unto you born this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ. Before he preached his first sermon, before he healed his first person, before he walked on the water, laying, I feel like preaching in the church today, laying in a manger, he was the anointed king and had a destiny to save the whole world. I tell you, I know there were people, I know there are people in our generation that want to question if Jesus is really the king, but I tell you who didn't question it, Peter didn't question it. As crazy as Peter was, as up and down as Peter was, Jesus looked at him and said, who do people say that I am? And he said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some say thou art Elijah, some say you're a prophet. He said, that's wonderful. Who do you say that I am? Peter looked back at Jesus as crazy as Peter was. He looked back at Jesus and say, I say, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. It freaked Jesus out. Jesus stepped back and said, wow, blessed art thou Simon of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. I tell you who doesn't question if he's the Christ, the woman at the well. She had five husbands, was working on number six until the Nazarene come in at number seven. And when he found her at the watering hole, he looked at her and said, 
said, where is your husband? She said, I don't have one. I'm working on one right now. He said, rightly, you've said it. You don't have one. You had five, and the man you're with now is not the one. When he got through with her life, she dropped her water pot, went back to the city that she came out of. She came to the men in the city. She said, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Is this not the Christ. I tell you who ain't questioning if he's the Christ, the devils are not questioning it. In Luke chapter 4 verse 41 Jesus cast devils out of the multitude and when the devil came out of the people, he looked back and said, I know who you are. You are the Christ the Son of God. I'm telling you the world may wonder who he is, but us who have found him and allowed him to find us, there is no debate about the matter. I'm not looking for another Savior. He is Christ the Lord. Let me calm down, please. He is the Christ. And we need to have this matter settled within us that the King of glory, the Mashiach, the one who was anointed with oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit. Not just that bottle of oil on the front row of the churches. That bottle of oil on the front row that we use to anoint people is symbolic of what we believe is happening spiritually. Well, I ain't never been to a church that anoints people with oil. Well, the Bible talks about it. The Bible talks about the anointing of oil. James said, are there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church and anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith. Prayer of faith shall save the sick. If they commit any sins, it will be forgiven them. Hebrews talks about ongoing doctrine, uh, ongoing revelation, the, the doctrine of laying on of hands, the doctrine of baptism. The, there's fresh anointing. There's fresh understanding. It's not just get saved and sit in a pew and warm it till Jesus comes. Where do we get this nonsense at? So watch this. Jesus is the anointed one who has the oil of the Spirit. I'm going to get real here. He is living in you. Oh, no, he's up in heaven. He is up in heaven, but by his Holy Spirit, he is living in you. Now, this is a revelation, and it is, this, this thing gets so crazy that when you start, start talking about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, the hope of glory is my church. The hope of glory is my preacher. The hope of glory is my worship set. The hope of glory is Christ in you. And this is why we have people who think that what happens on a stage replaces the responsibility that they carry as Christians. Well, I'm a Christian. That, that word, let me freak everybody in this room out temporarily, okay? Let me, let me freak pr probably 95% of the church out. As I begin to study this word Christian, first of all, the word Christian is not used until Acts chapter 13 when they went to Antioch, okay? Bible tells us that's the first place people called them Christians. And it was actually initially used as a derogatory term that was sort of like mocking and making fun of people who'd follow Jesus. Oh, those are Christians. That's why Herod Agrippa looked at Paul and said, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. He was actually mocking him and making fun of him. But by the second century, the church father Ignatius tells us that it had become common for people who followed Jesus and lived in the way to be called Christians. Here's where it gets nuts. The word Christian and even even Reformed theologians say this. The word Christian in one context can mean a little Christ. Now let me set everybody free. You are not a God and you are not Jesus. I am not a God. I am not, I'm not a big God or a little God. You're not a little God or a big God. None of us are gods. There is one God. So there will be no heresy from this pulpit. We are not gods. We are not Jesus's. Some of y'all have very little respect for the, the theology of a Pentecostal. 
So let me read you the words of our great reformed thinking early church father, Martin Luther. You ready for this? Martin Luther said in the book that he wrote, The Freedom of a Christian in 1520, to all of my reformed theologians, he wrote, as our heavenly father has in Christ freely came to our aid, we also ought to freely come to the help of our neighbor and our world through our church and its works. And each one should become, as it were, a Christ to the other, that, they, that we may be Christ to one another and in each other's life. And Christ may be the same in all, that is, that we may be truly Christians. But alas, he said, in our day, the, this life is unknown throughout the world. It is neither preached about nor sought after. We are altogether ignorant of our own name, he said, and do, and do not know why we are called Christians or bear the name Christians. Surely, listen to what he said, surely we are named after Christ, not because he is absent from us, but because he dwelleth in us. You want to go one step further? How many ever heard of C.S. Lewis? C.S. Lewis says that our lives should be an, an effervescent witness that we are little Christs in our world. Now, let me tell you what he's not saying. He's not saying we're little deities. What he's saying is we, it's essentially an affectionate way of saying we are chips off the old block. Now, I say all this, and I feel a little bit of, I don't know if I sit well with that. I don't really care. Because what we have done in the church is permitted our carnality and we have disconnected from a responsibility to be the body of Christ in the world. And we say things like, Jesus came to save, and then we sit down on pews, which is why they call them pews. If you sit there long enough, they start stinking. We're not called to sit on pews. We're not called to let the preacher win the world. We're not called to let the worship team do our worship. We are like like we, we are living with him and he is living in us and at some point they ought to see Jesus in you, not just in me. Um, so I want to tell you the hope of the world is living inside of you. If you are born again, you are a Christian. You are not a Christian simply because you are a member of a church. You are not a Christian simply, I am not a Christian simply because I fulfill a religious obligation to go to a church on Sunday. Should I go to church? Yes. Should I pay my tithes? Yes. Should I praise the Lord? Yes. I? But I don't do those things replacing being born again. I don't do those things and not have a, I have a different nature. Do you understand? I have been changed because a person came to live on the inside of me. I used to be led according to what the book of Colossians says. I was steered by the spirit of this age, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. Do you understand that I was under the spell of darkness? And why are you sitting up there looking at me with your halo so crooked? Because everyone in this building, before you got saved, you were being led by the same darkness. You were being led by the same spirit. We are not here because we found seven steps to a new beginning. I'm thankful for all that, but I'm going to tell you about one step that I took that transformed my life. It was a step out of my seat and a step to the altar. And when I came to an altar and confessed him as Lord, he washed my, feel like preaching here, he washed my sins away and recorded my name in the Lamb Book of Life. I am thankful that although I'm not what I'm gonna be, I am not who I used to be. He lives in me. Not yet. He lives in me and you. That's why they call people who are born again Christians. Because there's something about you qualifiably different than those who've not been born again. I got one sister that said amen. I'm going to say it again. 
there is something qualifiably different about you than people who are not saved. Uh-oh, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. Here we go with our catechism and our categories in the church. We got saved, a little more saved, a whole lot saved, saints. Let me help you understand something. In the kingdom of heaven, there are only two classes of people, born again and those not born again. I'm going to go a step deeper. In the kingdom, it is not white church and my black church and my white church and my Hispanic church. Let me help all y'all understand something. You don't get to have your church. It is not your church and my church. It is his church. Well, I am so offended. I intended it to be offensive. I am sick and tired of the church being divided by people who do not walk in the spirit. They walk in the flesh. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. We have no life and we have very little peace because we treat things with carnality rather than seeing them through the Holy Ghost. I hope God decorated your role with diversity so that when you go to your lunch and somebody said, what kind of church you go to? Uh, uh, I go to a kingdom church with a bunch of people from every kingdom, nation, tribe, and tongue. I preach this way, I'm gonna say it, I don't care. Y'all know by now, I'm getting older and I'm losing more of my filter. I won't say who, but one of the sweet mamas in the church, African-American lady in our church, she said, Bishop, my family asked me all the time, why you go to church with a white pastor? She said, because he's white. <laughs> I can't change it. That's who we are. But I'm not known by this skin color, and you're not known in the kingdom by your skin color. You are known because you... You are not known by the color of your skin. You are known by the blood that washed your soul. Yeah! And to hell with the spirit of racism. To hell with the spirit of division. Let the, let the church break out in Holy Ghost revival. Hatamaha, no shataba. I better quit on this, but I can I feel something. We allow people to divide us into all kind of camps. There are only two kind of camps, saved and unsaved. Are you born again or not, period? Why do you say that? Because I want to make sure everybody knows you are known in heaven by who's living in your heart. And for those of you who've confessed your sins and repented and turned to Christ, he doesn't just live in heaven and watch you live on earth. He came down and got inside you. I feel that thing. He does not just sit in some corner of heaven and watch you like a robot that we wound up and you just walk through life and praise the Lord and go to church on Sunday and work a nine to five job. The king who was anointed with oil came to live inside of you. The next time the devil asks you, who do you think you are? Ask that lying devil, how long do you have? I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed when I come, blessed when I go. What I put my hands on is blessed. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. My life is hid with Christ and God. How much time do you have? I know who I am. I belong to the king and the king lives in me. So that's the first half. I'm all I'm gonna land now. He got in your heart. And when he comes to live in you and in me, the world around us should benefit from the Christ within us. Christians is not just a title, it's an explanation. 
am a chip off the old block. Or he's not old, but uh, but he is the ancient of days, so it's okay. I'm a chip off the old block. Y'all, most of y'all know my daddy. My daddy usually sits over here on Sunday. Wasn't feeling well today, but he usually sits over here and says, if you don't know he's my dad, but I stand next to him, you look at me and you say, he looks like his daddy. Except that picture we have of him on the internet because he works in the maintenance department, he looks like a convict. In fact, the whole maintenance department looks like a bunch of convicts on the picture of the, never mind. They all got these shirts on, they're all going like this. Nobody's smiling, all of them like this. Can you work on that? Just a smile. People go to the maintenance page, they're like, oh, I don't know about that church. I don't know. I don't know. Watch this. I look like him. I favor my daddy. Because I came from him. Who did you come from? Well, I'm a Christian. Oh, no, you can't have come from him and you talking to people like that. I know how to get up under it all. You can't have come from him walking around living like that. Uh -huh. You come, come on, Sunday is not your moment to shine. It's your moment to celebrate his faithfulness. We don't come to church and fraudulently act like we've served God all week long. We come in here and we lift up holy hands because Monday through Saturday the enemy tried some stuff but it didn't work. And by the time I get back on Sunday, I'm coming in. Woo, I'm coming in with a praise. I'm coming in to thank God. I'm coming in because... Although the enemy tried, he didn't work. No weapon formed against me will prosper. So, so you are a Christian, a Christian, a little, as it were, a little Christ. I'm not Christ. I'm not a God. But something about my life, because he lives in me, makes people think that man knows Jesus. That's why Paul would tell the church of Coloss, chapter 1, verse 27, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Let me break this down for you. God has no plan B for the evangelization of this world. Well, you know, if the church don't do it, you know, God's still going to find a way. God's way is to save the lost fill them with his spirit, empower them in his anointing, and they go into all the world and make disciples. If we don't operate in our anointing, let me illustrate it. Um, come help me, Dustin. Ryan, come help me. Sam, come help me. Torrance, come help me. Dan, come help me. Come help me, come help me, come help me. Everybody come up on the stage with me, okay? Everybody come up on the stage with me. Now, Let's stand over here so everybody can see us, okay? Who should I pick to be Jesus out of this crowd? Uh, I need a female. I need a female. I need some, somebody with holy character. Come on. Just kidding. It's a joke. Okay. Dustin, you're going to be Jesus today. Stand over here. That was his wife. Jesus was anointed. Chad, can you put John 334 up on the screen, please? I want him to see this. I'm about to close. God has sent, for he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God did not give the spirit by measure to him. Who is him? Jesus. Jesus received. That's a unique Greek uh, structure. It's a unique Greek structure that is essentially saying God gave the spirit without measure to Jesus. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, Jesus received the Spirit without any measure. How many would agree with me? Jesus was unlimitedly anointed. I'm about to blow your mind, though, but I'm going to tell you one limitation Jesus had that we all have, and that is this. As unlimited, as unlimitedly anointed as he was, he could only be in one place at one time. 
I don't know if I believe. Well, tell me another place where Jesus was in Capernaum and at the same time in Jerusalem. In his physical 33 years of life on the planet, he was limited in and by the flesh to be in one location at one time. How many can say yes to that? So, here is Jesus who has the spirit without measure. And then in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, what happens? He gets on the cloud and does what? He goes back home. He ascends on a cloud and is sit down at the right hand of God. And so people would say, Jesus is no longer on the earth. And that is not what your Bible teaches. Your Bible teaches that when the body of Jesus ascended, the body of Christ, the body of Jesus ascended, but the body of Christ began to move and activate in the earth. How can we do the ministry that Jesus did when he was unlimitedly anointed, healed every person, set every person free, walked on water, took five loaves and two fish and fed thousands of, how do you do that? when all of us would agree there was only one Jesus. So the body of Jesus ascends to the Father and uh, is set down on the right hand of God. I'm not God, but I'm playing God today, okay? So what happens when Jesus ascends? Does the earth now not have the person of Jesus in the earth? That's not the case. The world actually has millions of little Christ. I'm gonna give you some Bible. John 3, 34, God gave him the spirit without measure. Can you throw that thing up in Romans 12, verse three or two? Uh, that's good. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Next verse, watch this. For I say through the grace given to me, everyone who is among you, not to think of himself or herself more highly than they ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a what? A measure. You had everything that heaven wanted to give without measure. You have a measure. Each one of you and me and all of y'all have a measure. So how do we pull off being the body of Christ in the earth? It is by being connected to each other and everyone supplying the oil that God gave them individually so that we can accomplish corporately what we could never accomplish by ourselves. If the life of Jesus were seen as a fraction, four over four, whole, everything you can imagine in one man, in the man of Jesus, but you don't get four out of four, you get one out of four. You get two out of, you get one out of four, you get one out of four, you get one out of four, and you get, so that if I add all of you working together, I get four. I, I hope you're making the connection. You have got to operate, thank you brothers, you have got to operate in your measure so that the body operates as Christ would have us and call us to operate. Well, I don't know if it's important what I do. It is dreadfully important what you do. Because if you don't function in your anointing, it doesn't matter how anointed your neighbor is, we're still missing something. If we don't operate in our anointing, it doesn't matter how anointed your pastor is, your worship leader is, how much prayers are offered, how, if we're just casually going through life with a title Christian but not functioning in the Christ that lives within us, stop allowing someone else's oil to be your source of light. 
Selah. Stop allowing someone else's oil to become your source of light. I'm going to end with what I started. He who establishes us in Christ and with you and who has anointed us, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21. He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. You have an anointing. It can be increased. It can be grown in. I believe without proper stewardship, it can be lost. I believe by repentance, it can be regained. The anointing is precious. It is not some mystical, mysterious thing saved for a few qualified people. You have an anointing from the Holy One abiding in you. Play something, Aaron, please. I, I really feel like, and it happened in Cleveland and Athens this morning, I really feel like God wants us to get our own oil today. I want you to know that when the five foolish virgins ran out of oil. They went to the five wise virgins and they wanted theirs. Oil always represents the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, oil represents the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, let, 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 me, let me use Rick because Rick has such great hair. He has the greatest hair. He's bald, y'all. Okay? Here's how we do people when we pray for them in the altar, and rightfully so. You come up for prayer, we're going to put oil on your head, right? We do that when we pray for the sick, when we pray for preachers, when we pray for our people, when we bless people, we put a touch of oil on their head. In the, in the Old Testament, there was no little dab will do you. There was one recipe for the oil in the Old Testament, only one recipe, six hens of oil, which is like mm, about nine gallons, I think. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, I don't know if I want to be anointed. <laughs> well, first of all, we're not going to pour nine gallons of oil on you. But the image is what I want you to see. When they anointed King David, they didn't come up to David, Lord bless King David, touch him, Ooh, touch him Lord, touch him with a blessing. Gallons on his head that dripped down that little shepherd boy went all the way down to his feet. When they anointed Jehu, they poured the oil all over Jehu. He come out of his closet this is in 2 Kings chapter 7, I believe. He come out of his closet having been anointed and oil was from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet and everybody he had been running with looked at him and said, what happened to you? It's hilarious. Jehu looked at him and said, nothing. And they looked at him and was like, liar, you got oil from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. What's the point? The point is when God anoints you, you can't act like he didn't anoint you. When he pours the Holy Ghost out on your life, stop domesticating it. Oh, I'm going, I better quit because if I go down this road right now, we got people who try to hide the Christ in them out there. And then you come in here, woo, praise the Lord. And, and listen, all that's wonderful, but the Christ in you cannot be hidden or put under a lid. Stop domesticating the lion that is living on the inside of you. He is not a purring kitten. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Let him roar. Well, you know, I don't want to upset things. Let me help you understand something. The world is cacked up, chaotic, and crazy. Everybody else has come out of the closet. I don't even care. Everybody else has come out the closet and the church is still trying to figure out how to be on their way to heaven and hide it. 
want to lose my job. I don't want to lose Jesus. Can you imagine standing before the throne? And a big screen of our life start flashing before us and we saw moments where we were a little bit timid and squeamish. And we were worried about pleasing everybody else. But we forgot about the price he paid for us. See, I'm really concerned sometimes that the Western church is more interested in her comfort than they are in truly living for Jesus. People who saw these kids running around here today, this church is so wild and crazy. You didn't think that last night at the hoot, Nanny. Somebody watching me online, you didn't think that last night when you was clubbing? <laughs> and then you gonna sit here and then judge my kids running around this church? Sit your hips down. Let me help you understand something. We're gonna run till every hostage comes up out of their captivity. You understand what I'm saying? We're gonna run till every one of them come out. Stand up, I'm through preaching. He lives in me. I love him. He lives in you. You love him. My prayers for the anointing in each of you, the presence of the Holy Ghost on your life, may that start being what you operate by. I'm not interested if you just attend church. Chattanooga and Catoosa County and Ringgold and, and Hickson and every other place we come from. Some of y'all drive from Sand Mountain and from Mont Eagle Mountain. People drive an hour and a half to get here. The, the place we come from don't need a domesticated, tamed down, tampered down, high Jesus kind of church. Christ in you is the hope. The anointed king and his anointed in his anointing, the anointed king and his anointing in you is the hope of glory. If you want a fresh anointing, I don't care how long you've been saved and serving God, if you need a fresh and want a fresh anointing, throw your hands up right now where you're standing. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us today. Come on, just take maybe 45 seconds and ask him to fall fresh on you. Don't let me pray for you. If you don't want it, I can't pray it in your life, but if you'll ask him for it, he'll give it to you. Precious Holy Spirit, I pray for a refreshing of the anointing. I pray for a pouring out of your oil on our congregation, Lord. May we see our hearts and our minds, our lives as yours. May we see ourselves as filled with Jesus and not just church members. Lord, you have, you have saved us and rescued us. We are born by your spirit not to fit into a world that hates you. Lord, we, 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 we don't want to intentionally make a show of ourselves. We do, we do however want to, we want the world to see Jesus in us. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Reach over, lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder if, if you're a person of faith. If you don't believe in Jesus, don't have the faith that, that the power of the Holy Spirit can do this, you don't have to pray for anybody. In fact, I'd rather you not pray for anybody. It's okay for you to be here, but I, I just want people praying for one another who knows that the Spirit of God is real, that Jesus is not just another religious guru. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed King who has the oil. Lord, we pray for a refreshing of the anointing on our brothers and sisters, our family today. I pray they will not have a stale, God, I feel this anointing. They will not have a stale oil on their life. They will not live on yesterday's oil. The Christ in them, the Christ in them, the, Christ, the anointed king and his anointing, it lives in Sadaradamakatatarabashata. I pray for minds to shift. I pray for minds to shift. Holy Ghost, I thank you for what I feel happening in this room right now. 
I thank you that people are coming out of domesticated religion. They're coming out of domesticated Christianity. We have tamed the lion, but the lion wants to roar. And I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that in our day, in this hour, in our generation, that the King of glory, the Messiah, the Mashiach, and his anointing oil, may he grow in us. May his anointing increase. May his oil increase. God, rub the oil in my life. Smear the oil on my head. Pour the oil on my body. Oh, my spirit, I need you, God. My God, I feel a fresh anointing coming on the people. I feel it. Holy Ghost, hover and just pour your spirit out. I wish you would paint a target for the Holy Ghost to know where to go. Somebody just throw your hands up. Somebody just say, fall fresh on me. Fall fresh on me. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it in the name of the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive a fresh anointing. Receive a fresh anointing. You may have lost it. If you'll just throw your hands up, he'll refresh you in it. He'll give you back your anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anointing fall on me. Anointing fall on me. Let the power of the Holy Ghost fall on me. Anointing. Make it a prayer before we go. Come on, throw those hands up and make it your prayer. Sing anointing. Make it your prayer. Come on, sing. Yeah, come on, family. Somebody throw those hands up one more time. Let the power fall on me. Let the power, let the power of the Holy Ghost. Sing it one more time. Let the power. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're in this room and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I don't care what you've done and how long you've been doing it. I don't care how lost you feel or how good you feel about your life. If you know you came to this room today and you need to get right with God, heads are bowed, eyes are closed right now. If I'm talking to you and you need to get right with God, I don't care what you're bound by, what you feel guilty about. If you want to give your life to Jesus, when I say three, throw your hand up and say, Pastor Kevin, I need to give my life to God. One, two, three, throw your hand up right now. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God, hands are up across this church, men and women. Everybody, you can put your hands down. Listen, I want you to look at your neighbor, whether you've known them your whole life, or whether you've never met them before this day, I want you to look at your neighbor on your right and left and ask them this one question. Do you need somebody to go to the altar with you? And if you lifted your hand or you should have but didn't, when they ask you that question, I want you to, I want you to shake your head, say, yeah, I need to get down there. I need to give my life to God. And I want them to come with you. And I'm gonna meet you right down here. And Jesus is gonna save some people that are already coming. Jesus is gonna save some people that are already coming. Jesus is going to save some people. And I wish I had a church who would get happy about it. I wish I pastored a church that would get happy about it. Let the power of the Holy... Come on, he's here. Somebody just throw those hands up. Let the power, let the power of the Holy... Let the power... Let the power of anointing. People are still coming. Come on, church, give God praise. They're still coming to get 
give it all. He's going to take every sin and give them eternal life. Somebody get happy. They're still coming. My God, we give you praise, Lord. We give you praise, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. They're still coming. We're not through praising. Come on. Let the power, let the power of the Sing it again, let the power Now I want you to stretch your hands toward this altar. Those of you who can do it, for the next two minutes, I want you to pray powerful prayers for them like you wish somebody would have prayed for you when you gave your life to Jesus. Come on, let's just spend two minutes while the band plays, Lord, and thank you. this is a reason to go crazy and celebrate this precious young lady is listen is giving her life to Jesus and she found out about our church and came to light the night and now they brought her back to church and this morning she gave her heart to Jesus and I think we ought to celebrate that I think we ought to just go crazy come on the devil cannot win let the power let the power of the Holy Ghost pray for you one last time. They're going to keep praying. Every one of us left, lift our hands. All the family, everybody lift our hands. Lord, I bless our church family. I bless every son and daughter, every mom and dad, every grandma and grandpa in this house. I bless them right now. I decree and declare a fresh anointing over our people, over our church. I decree and declare today you've torn the lid off of some of our lives and you've set us free. And we declare that you have anointed every one of us by Jesus and his presence in our hearts. And we will leave this house today and may the Christ in us be the hope of glory in the world we live in this week. In Jesus' precious name and everybody who receives it shout amen. We'll see you tonight at 6 p.m. Don't miss it. I love you. Go in the peace of the Lord. Hey family, I believe God is touching hearts right now. The preached word of God causes the lost to come to Christ. I believe someone's watching. Maybe you feel a million miles away from God. Maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've never been in church. Listen, I want to tell you that it doesn't matter where you are in life right now. If you want Christ to save you, no matter what you've done and no matter how long you've been doing it, if you'll turn your heart to him, he'll save you right now. I want to lead you in a prayer. Say, dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I'm asking you to save me from my sin. Save me from myself. Lord, come in and be the king of my life. I give you my past, my present, and my future. And I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to rescue me today. In Jesus' name, by faith, I believe that I'm saved and a child of God. Amen. Listen, friend, 
I know that's a simple prayer, but I believe with all of my heart, salvation is as simple as turning from sin and turning to Christ. If you did that today, I want to pray that God give you a strong Bible-believing church. I want you to go to KevinWallace.tv, learn how the resources that we have can help you in your journey. Listen, we want to pray for you. Drop us a line on the prayer request. Let us know you gave your heart to Christ. And our team's going to be praying for you this coming week. You're going to get stronger. You're going to grow deeper in your love for God. You're going to become everything He put you on this planet to be. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll see you next week. God bless.